What's up, Excel? How's everyone doing tonight? You can bring that up. I'll make it my goal to drink both bottles of water by the end of the sermon. Okay? All right, for those of you guys who don't know me, my name is Pastor Jason. I'm the worship pastor here. I'm filling in for P. Joey. Uh, if I sound a little under the weather, it's because I'm just coming off of a cold. I am not going through puberty for a second time. I already went through it. It was awkward. Y'all know what I'm talking about because a lot of you are going through it right now. It's okay. God is real. He's going to help you. Okay? So we're going to talk tonight about worry and anxiety. And Priscilla talked about it a little bit earlier in pre-service prayer. Um, we're going to get to Matthew 6, the, the same passage as she was just reading earlier. I want to tell you guys, I've got three kids. Uh, my middle son, he's, he's, aut he's got autism. So um, I'm just going to be talking about my oldest one, who's my daughter, and then my youngest son. There are, when, when, when you have kids, you, you think they're going to be perfect. I'm sure your parents, when you were born, they thought, oh, my little angel, she ain't never going to do anything wrong. He ain't never going to do anything wrong. And then they found out about six weeks later, okay, that was a lie. And for, for us, I, I think every parent falls into the same trap. I thought, my kids, they're going to trust me so much because I'm going to be such a good dad. I'm always going to be there for them. And I do my best to be there for them. But there's just something that's it's in them. It's in us. We don't tend to do what's right all the time. And, and a lot of times we... We have worry. We have anxiety. It's not something that you really need to be taught. It's just in you. And so my oldest and my youngest, even now, maybe not so much as when they were younger, but even now, they're still a little afraid of the dark. And they worry about that. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I'm not afraid of the dark. Some of you guys think you're afraid of the dark. Jacob, we, we might need to turn the lights up because we got some scared people in the room here. And so it's, it's really, I, I got to be honest with you, it's kind of frustrating, maybe a little annoying as, as a dad when your two-year-old, your three-year-old is really terrified of the dark. And I'm in there. I'm in the room with them. And I'm thinking, but baby girl, I'm here with you. Like, don't, don't you get it? Like, I'm with you. And listen, I'm not the biggest guy. I'll never be the biggest guy in the room. If you got into a fight, you don't want to call me. Right? You're, I'm not the guy to, to call. In fact, uh, back, I think it was around May, listen, I'm from Chicago, so even though I'm not a good fighter, I'm not a punk. Like, I don't run away from anybody. And, and so I was in the gym back in May, and I was carrying my book bag, walking to the water fountain, and this guy, he pushed my bag out of the way, and then he, and he literally skipped ahead of me to drink some water. And I'm standing there, and I'm thinking, man, did this really just happen? I was, I was really dumbfounded. And so he went to work out, I got my water, you know, and then I, I thought, man, you know, maybe I should just tell him that that was not a good thing to do or that was rude or whatever. So against my better judgment, I actually went up to the guy, and this guy was probably 6'2", six, 6'3", six, easily 100 pounds heavier than me. He was a big dude. And I just said, hey, next time you can just walk around me or say excuse me. And I thought he was going to be like, yeah, respect you. Uh, no, that's not what happened. He got up in my face. And he started cussing me out, and I literally thought that my life was going to end that night. Because he was talking about, he literally was talking about ending my life. And so after that confrontation, thankfully his friend pulled him away and kind of broke us apart. But I stood there, because I'm, I'm from the city. I stood there, I, I, I looked right at him, like, like that, you know, because I'm, I'm a 5'8 or whatnot. 
And so I go, I go to the other side of the gym to finish my workout, and I text two people. One, my wife, to tell her I might not make it home. And then two, I texted P. Joey because he's a big guy. And, and I said, hey, just, just want to let you know uh, if something goes down, this is where I'm at. And, you know, he's a good friend. He was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to come over right now if you need me to. Uh, thankfully, nothing happened. I ended up not going back to that gym for a little while because pastor was like, that's actually wise if you don't. It's not about being scared. It's just, just kind of wise. And so, anyways, if you get in a fight, don't call me. Call someone who's bigger. But we all tend to worry about things. And so even though I'm not the greatest fighter, I try to tell my kids, guys, I'm undefeated against imaginary boogeymen, right? Like, I've never lost. I'll lose a fight in the street real quick, but against imaginary monsters and, and, and creepers or whatnot, I'm undefeated. But yet, even while I'm there with them, they tend to worry. And I think a lot of times that describes our walk with God, Right? We worry about things that, that really for us are, are hard and, and they're difficult. But you got to remember that God is, he's not like us. He's bigger than us. He's stronger than us. And he can take care of his children way better than I could ever take care of my own. So we're going to be in Matthew chapter 6, starting in verse 25. Jesus says, Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you be by worrying at a single hour to your life? And why do you worry about clothes? Some of y'all worried about that brand you're wearing. Listen, I've been there. I was raised by a single mom. And not, it's not that all moms love the shop, but my mom loved the shop, so she taught me to shop. She taught me about the name brand. So, listen, I've been there. He says, see how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown to the fire, will he not much more clothe you, you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. So just a real quick synopsis, a real quick breakdown of what Jesus is saying is, listen, God, your father, takes care of the birds. He takes care of the grass. He takes care of the flowers. And he loves you way more than any of those things. And so you really don't have to worry. Now, listen, this doesn't mean, because sometimes almost we look at that verse and we just think, okay, well, I don't got to do anything then. Well, that's not true because the Bible says faith without works is dead. So there is still something that you have to do. There's still a part that we have to play, but it doesn't involve worrying. You see, some of you ladies, ladies, holidays coming up, you're worried about that mistletoe, New Year, trying to find that man at midnight. Come on, you know what I'm talking about, okay? You don't have to worry about that man. Because God already created that person. So you don't have to worry about finding that person because he already made that person. He's already ordained when you're going to meet that person and when that relationship should start. But hold up now because there's still some work that you got to do. You got to fix that nasty face. You know what I'm saying? You got to fix that attitude. You're wondering why you're alone for Christmas. It's because your attitude. You might look in the mirror and you think, oh, I'm a 10. But your attitude is a 1. Now you do the math, you're a 5 half. Ain't no guy want to be with the five and a half. I'm just saying. And you're really not a 10, okay? All right? Get some, uh, you know, shampoo, conditioner, all that stuff. 
boys, all right, because it's your turn. Notice I didn't say men. I said boys, okay. Hey, come on now. Come on now. Hold, hold that applause, okay. Boys, you're trying to find that lady. God already created that person for you. You don't have to worry about that. What you do need to do, though, is you got to learn some math. Act spray does not equal a shower. Come on now. Because some of y'all, some of y'all for real. I worked with inner city youth for the longest time, okay. And I've been to Excel too, so I know what I'm talking about, okay. Some of y'all play basketball, you play football, you do your, you know, PE, you do your ROTC, and you're all sweaty and nasty, and then you get out of class and you get out of gym and you just think, I'll just cover it up with some of this axe. Listen, people walk by you and they smell you and they're like, ooh, that smells like lavender. Ooh, ooh, and a hint of booty. You know what I'm saying? It's a nasty smell. So you got to work on that, Okay. So it's not just you just sit back and then all of a sudden God's going to bring this person. No, you want to make sure that you're right physically, spiritually, emotionally. And we do that by staying connected with God. So I want to just talk about two points real quick and then we'll wrap it up. We're talking about worry. We're talking about fear. It's, it's a real thing. Anxiety is a real thing. I know what it's like to, to be depressed. I know what it's like to to be overwhelmed by worry to the point where it really cripples your walk with the Lord. So how do we combat worry? Number one, we combat worry, fear, and anxiety by fixing our eyes on Jesus. I'll say that again. We combat worry, fear, and anxiety by fixing our eyes on Jesus. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. Paul says, do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. In verse 8, finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Now, here's the thing, guys. We all know that we got to do devos. We all know that, you know, when you get up in the morning, you should pray. You should talk to God. You should read the Bible. You go to bed at night. Listen, guys, talking about math, you do it twice a day, you get twice the benefits, okay? Those things are important, but here's the thing. Reading the Bible is a great first step, but until you practice what the Bible teaches, you'll never be transformed. Okay? What am I saying? I'm saying you could read the Bible through and through but until you start living it out, you're not going to get what you're looking for. So you can't just read Philippians 4 and then all of a sudden think, well, I read this. Well, okay, God, well, where's the peace? Oh, I just, I just read three verses. How come I don't have peace? Are you practicing it? In every situation, like it says in verse 6, are you praying with thanksgiving? Are you presenting your request to God? Because when you do those things, verse 7 says, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And what I love about this is sometimes we think, well, only if there was this miracle that happened, only if there was this healing that happened, then my friends would know for sure that God is real. You know what? If your friends know exactly what you're going through and your heart and your mind are guarded with the peace of God, they're going to notice that. 
They're going to think, wait, wait a minute, you're going through what I'm going through. Wait a minute, uh, you just went through that breakup, and, and I'm going through a breakup, but yet you have peace and I don't have peace. So something, there's something that's drawing me to you. But you're not going to get that unless you actually bring it to God, unless you actually follow these steps where he says, think about what is true. Think about what is noble. Think about what is good. Think about what is pure. So you're worried about that breakup, and you come to church and you worship, and you say, oh, God, I'm going to leave it here at the altar. It's yours, God. It's yours. I promise this time. But then you get home, and then you're Snapchatting your ex, right? And then you're following them on Instagram, and then you're wondering, oh, I don't have peace. Because you're not thinking about what's pure. You're not fixing your eyes on what is noble, on what is right. Reading the Bible is a great first step, but until you practice what the Bible teaches, you'll never be transformed. We're talking about fixing our eyes on water, or fixing our eyes on, on Jesus. There, there's a, a story in the Bible where Jesus walks on water. I'm not going to read the entire story for the sake of time, but, but I think you guys, most of you guys probably have heard this before, where Jesus is walking on the water and the disciples are in the boat and they see him and at first they're afraid and then they realize that it's Jesus and, and Peter says, is it you? And Jesus is like, yeah, Peter, it's me. Come on, it's your boy, right? And, and he says, well, call me out. And, and he's like, well, Peter, come on up. And, and Peter takes this step. And, and for a, a second or so, he's actually walking on water. And the Bible says he sees the waves around him. And what happens is he begins to sink. And then Jesus saves him. Listen, the fastest way to sink in your walk with God is to dwell on your worries. The fastest way to sink, the fastest way to drown is to take your eyes off Jesus. Some of us, we wonder, why aren't we doing so well spiritually? Oh, but I, I read my Bible. Okay, but what do you do with the rest of the day? You see? And so for me, the way that it looks like is, listen, I've got three kids. I said my, my son's got autism. My, my wife is, is battling cancer, and I'll talk a little bit about that later. And, and so life is it's actually really, really hard. In fact, it's the hardest it's ever been. And so for me, I don't always have an hour or even half an hour in the morning to do my Devo. And so what I do is throughout the day, I'm having this conversation with the Lord. When I'm at the gym, if I'm working out, I started swimming just a, about a couple of weeks ago. I'm not a really good swimmer. Jonathan, you're going to help me out with that. While I'm swimming, I have a conversation with God. And usually it's like, God, help me from drowning in this pool. And then God's like, well, you know, you know, Jay, the, the pool's about four feet deep. So if you just touch your feet to the floor, you'll be fine. But throughout the day when I'm driving, when I'm eating, I'm having a conversation with God. And as I'm doing that, as I'm thinking about him, as I'm dwelling on him and taking my mind off of my issues, taking my mind off my trouble, that peace begins to come. I was saying earlier that, that worry, fear, anxiety, it's... It's crippling. Guys, it will really, if it hasn't already, or if it hasn't once before, it will really stunt your growth in God. Matthew chapter 13, this is the, the parable of the sower. I believe that P. Joy talked about this a few weeks or so ago. The third soil, it said, the, the third seed said, the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word, but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word, making it unfruitful. And for a lot of us in this room, the worries of life are choking us. The worries of life are choking us in a spiritual 
sense. So I love what Matthew 6, just bringing it back to, to fixing our eyes on Jesus. Matthew 6 ends with this in, in verse 33 and 34. He says, instead of worrying, seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. This verse in John chapter 16, verse 33, is one of my all-time favorite passages. I've read through the Bible uh, quite a few times now, and this is still one of my favorite verses. It says, Jesus says, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. I found this verse when I was probably about, probably about 15 years old, 15 or 16, I can't, I can't quite remember. Um, I, I had just gone through a, a, a really bad breakup. This girl broke my heart. I know it's kind of impossible to believe, but, but it happened, guys. I'm, I promise you it's real. And, and I was, for real, I was really messed up. I was incredibly distraught. I actually remember when, when I got the news and, and she told me over the phone because, you know, she couldn't tell me in person because whatever. Anyways, we, we won't go back there. I, guess, I got some wounds, okay? I'll be, at the altar, I'll be the first one at the altar call. And I remember when she told me, again, I'm 15, 16 years old. And by this is my first official girlfriend. Because you know how sometimes I give a crush on someone. And sometimes it's like you're kind of just talking. Like we're just talking. Yeah, we're being together. We're just talking, right? This is my first official girlfriend. Like we said, we were boyfriend and girlfriend. And, and I remember when she told me, I literally was on my knees. I was pretty pathetic, guys. I was literally on my knees in, my, in our bathroom crying and, and my eyes up to heaven saying, like, why God, why God? You know, we were together for, for a really long time. And so when you're together with someone for a long time, it, it really hurts, right? It, it really stings. I mean, we were together for four whole days. For real, I'm not lying. We were together for whole days. And I, I took it, I really took it, oh, man, I took it so, so terribly. But, but here's the thing. I, I found this verse, and this is what I tell people because it, it's such a funny story now because I'm, I'm 36. You know, I've been married for almost 13 years now I've got three kids and you look back and you think okay well that wasn't really a big deal can I tell you guys back then that was a really big deal that was a really big deal and so don't don't let people tell you that what you're going through especially older people that what you're going through is is nothing or it's insignificant no it's it's real it's what you're going through but I found this verse and I find it to be such a a peculiar verse it's it's kind of like Jesus is talking out of both sides of his mouth, you know, because he says, he says, I told you this thing so that you, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. So Jesus is telling his disciples, you can have peace, you're definitely going to have trouble. And this is interesting because we think of peace as being the absence of trouble. Peace is the absence of sorrow. Peace is the, the absence of hardship. It's the absence of trials. It's the absence of all of the things that we don't want to go through. And Jesus is saying, no, no, no. Peace isn't any of that. Peace is not the absence of sorrow. Peace is not the absence of trials or tribulations or problems. Peace is when you go through them because you're going to go through them. Peace is the assurance that Jesus is there with you. Right? Do you guys get the difference in that? And, and, and I hope that what God is doing tonight is he's reshaping your mindset from thinking, well, because I have Jesus, I'm not going to go through any kind of trouble anymore. No, no, because you have Jesus, you're going to go through trouble, but you're going to have Jesus with you. 
if you walk with him, if you talk with him each and every day. And so for me, this was a really important verse to me because even though, like I said, looking back, it was such a silly thing. Okay, it was just four days and whatnot. But, but the reality is, emotionally, it was hard on a 15, 16-year-old guy who had never had a girlfriend before and for it to be over that quickly. And I just, I thought, I thought she was amazing. I thought she was the world, you know, and then she broke my heart. Um, you know, uh, I'm not going to say it. All right, I'll say it. End of the story, we ended up dating again for two years and I broke up with her, so I, I win. Okay, so anyways. <clears throat> so anyways, hey, we got that on tape? Oh, man. We edit that out. Okay. But here's the thing, though. When I learned to trust him in that time, when I learned to trust him in that season as hard as it was, I learned how to trust him for the rest of my life. Because I look back and I'm like, oh, you got me through this. And so when I got to college and there were some other issues, I'm like, oh, well, you got me through that. You're going to get me through this. And then when I got married and we had issues in our marriage, I thought, well, you got me through those things. You're going to get me through these things. And when our son was born, and we found out that he had autism, it was, oh, you got us through all of that. You're going to get us through this. And so what I hope that you guys can see tonight is if you, if you really press into Jesus and, and you trust him, he's going to get you not, not just through this, but what you're going to get, what you're going to go through in the future. So number one, we fix our eyes on Jesus. That's how we combat fear and worry. Number two. We can trust Jesus because he is the great sympathizer. We can trust Jesus because he is the great sympathizer. Look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. It's talking about Jesus here as the high priest. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet without sin. Now I'm going to stop right here. So what... what the writer of Hebrews is saying about Jesus is that Jesus, even though he's fully God, he came to be fully man, right? That's the whole Christmas story. And he was tempted in every way, meaning that there was always a temptation for him to worry. There was always a temptation for him to fear. There was always a temptation for him to be anxious, right? And he sympathizes with all of our weaknesses, meaning whatever you're going through, whatever your struggle. Listen, I might not be able to sympathize with your, whatever your weakness is, Right? I didn't, I didn't struggle with drugs. So if you struggle with drugs, I can help you, but you're probably going to get better sympathy from someone who struggled with drugs also, right? And that word sympathy just means identifies. So I don't know exactly what you're going through because I have never gone through it. So if you don't have a child with autism, you don't know what I'm going through. But Jesus, being tempted in every way that we have been tempted, can sympathize, he identifies with everything that you're going through, yet he was without sin. And because of that, verse 16 says, let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Because Jesus is the great sympathizer, because he understands exactly what you're going through in this moment, you can be confident that you can receive grace from him. Just one more story here. Worship team, if you can come up. John chapter 11. This is the story of Lazarus. who was a man in the Bible. He was dead for four days. 
Cat, if you can just play Reckless Love in the background there. Lazarus was dead for four days. We'll pick it up, John chapter 11, verse 32. When Mary reached the place where Jesus was and saw him, she fell at his feet and said, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. Where have you laid him? He asked. Come and see, Lord, they replied. Verse 35, incredibly profound verse, says Jesus wept. Now I want to just give a little background about God, three quick attributes of God, three quick attributes of Jesus. One, Jesus is omnipresent, which means he's everywhere. He's all present. It just omni is the prefix. We're going to school, guys. Omni means all, okay? Present means present. So omnipresent means he's all present. He's everywhere. So when Lazarus died, Jesus was already there, okay? Think about that. Whatever you're going through, Jesus is there with you. Number two, he's omniscient. That means he's all-knowing. He didn't need to be told that Lazarus was dead. He already knew. Now, we still tell from our end, we still talk to God and say, God, this is what I'm going through. Peter says, cast all your cares on him because he cares for us. So three attributes of God. One, he's omnipresent. He's he's everywhere. Two, he's omniscient, all-knowing. And number three, he's omnipotent. He's all-powerful. Now, why am I saying this to you guys? Because think about it in, in terms of this story. Jesus was already there. When Lazarus died, he already knew, not just that Lazarus died, but he already knew that Lazarus was going to die. Because he's all-powerful, Jesus already knew, listen, I'm going to heal this man. He'd been dead for four days. Jesus already knew, I'm going to heal this man. And so a lot of us, we think, if you already have the ability, and you're already there, and you've already been through it all, okay, when... When my kids tell me that they're afraid of the dark, I just, I just, sometimes I just laugh at them. I'm like, really, guys? Like, it's just dark, right? It's nothing. But this is what's so amazing about this verse is that he's, he's not the kind of person that we are. God is not the kind of father that, that we are, that we would be. Because even though he knew all of that, he saw all of it, even though he knew that he had all the power, to raise him from the dead. And he knew he was going to raise him from the dead. Verse 35 says that he wept. Do you guys see this picture of Jesus, the son of God, sympathizing with Lazarus, sympathizing with Mary? He was moved by them. Because it says when he saw her weeping, And the Jews around her weeping, he was moved. He was troubled. Even though he already knew how everything was going to play out. I mentioned to you guys earlier that my wife was diagnosed with cancer. It was March of of 2018. uh, The end of March. And 
you know, it was the craziest thing. You go to the doctor, everything's, you think everything is fine, right? She's normal, we're just doing the things we normally do. And then you find out that, that she has cancer. And it wasn't just that she has cancer, but they told us that she had stage four cancer, which is, it's the worst, basically. She has stage four cancer, which means it's, the, it's as advanced as it could be. And then on top of that, she's got the most aggressive form of breast cancer. And so they told us, well, me just being the kind of person I am, I, I said to the doctor, okay, well, just, just tell us, like, tell us exactly what's going to happen. And, and she, the doctor said, you know, I, I think with treatment, she's going to live about two more years. That's five months. I'm sharing this with you guys because I know what it's like to be tempted to worry. I've got the temptation to be afraid. You guys are going through something. I'm, I'm going through something too, right? My wife and I, we talk about it. Five months. A couple of weeks ago, pastor opened up the altar for testimonies, or he opened up the mic for testimonies, and, and this lady got up, and she didn't know anything about what we were going through, but she was talking about how a friend of hers has stage four cancer and, and how it was probably going to be her last Christmas. And my wife and I, we just, I just put my hand around her, and, and we talked about it later that, yeah, you know, it, it might be my wife's last Christmas too. But here's the thing, guys. not worried right like are there moments where you know you, you think the worst yeah of course that's that's human but but if you came over my house if you see me here on a Sunday or on a Thursday or on a Wednesday you, and, and if you saw my wife apart from her losing her hair and you, you probably wouldn't know because we have peace because we we found something real because we found someone real. And I just want to encourage you guys tonight that whatever you're going through, whatever you're worried about, that you don't have to let it cripple you. You don't have to let it hold you back. Right? My wife and I, we, we determined that whatever we're going through, whatever we're going to go through, we're not, we're not going to let it hold us back. Now, do we get down sometimes? Do we, you know, obviously our schedule is different because she's got to go to treatment every week and all that stuff. But we're not going to let it hinder our walk with the Lord. We're not going to let it hinder our relationships with other people. We're not going to let it control or dictate our life. And so whatever you're going through, it's real. And what I want to say to you is, you don't have to let it dictate your life either. So here's what I want to do as we close. I want you to go ahead and stand up. And if you're a leader in this room, can you raise your hand? Can you guys just spread out across the room and, and let's break up into groups. I'm not sure. I can't do the math. can't count that that quickly, but 
let's break up into groups, maybe three or four or so. Make sure you're with a leader. And, and leaders, um, I don't want us to just pray. I want to give the students an opportunity to talk about some things. Now, if you don't feel comfortable talking about anything and you just say, you know what, I'm, I'm just I'm not ready to talk about some of the things I'm going through, that's okay. You don't, you don't have to. Please don't feel like, like you have to. Right? If you're not going through anything, man, praise God. Just say, I think I'm good right now, and that's great. But if you are going through something and you do want to share with the leader, then, then go ahead and, and do that. And then leaders, when you get an opportunity, if there's time, go ahead and, and pray for them. So let's do that. If, if, uh, in fact, if you want to break up into your small groups, if that, that makes it easier, go ahead and do that. But let's go ahead and see if we can do that in an orderly fashion. Okay, guys, and then we'll close it out in prayer.